AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. It is 29 degrees. The wind is blowing about 30 miles an hour on the 31st of October. Welcome to one of the coldest Halloweens on record. Thank you very much. Let's warm it up with some conversations about biofuels. And let's talk some turkey on the table. Live from the precipice of November via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This morning, we begin with a conversation with Chris Bliley from Growth Energy. Then it's Morgan Pothaven from the Iowa Turkey Federation. And directly following the news, Karen Bonert from Farm Journal's Milk. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson. And now the host of AgriTalk, Jabari. Okay, here's the deal. I know I talk a lot about affordability. Uh Uh-huh. I got to ask, have you seen the cost of a bag of candy? Here's here's, a... Here's my uh, strategy. We have lights that turn on automatically on our palatial mansion here in the city of Kansas. Yes. Shows the front of it. Let's all the neighbors know we're doing well. You know, we're doing just fine. Uh, You got to change them. We use Halloween as our night to change them forward after daylight savings time because the house will be dark when the kids come by. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that would be my strategy as well. Turn the porch light off. Yep. Draw the shades and mm-hmm. just weather the storm of of toilet paper and mm-hmm. eggs mm-hmm. and everything because I'm not spending that on a bag of candy. Not no. to just toss around for free. No. No, you're just handing out candy because people come up and ask for it. What is yeah. that? Doesn't what make is that? any sense. Doesn't make any sense. That's I'm not the America the- I know. Yeah, well, and and plus, the uh, the only kid on on the lane mm-hmm. has, I I think she's yeah she does she does she's already got kids of her own, okay. Oh, and so we haven't had a trick or treater back here at the Flory Ranch yeah. for probably well oh twenty years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I r- really don't have anything to worry about. Yeah, yeah. You could still you could still buy the candy you. just in case. But you. Mm-hmm. You've got them pouring in. Yeah. Yes, you do. They're going to skip right it. over my place. I'll see to that. You love it. You <laughs> love it. Welcome to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. That's Davis. Yes. Uh, yeah, 29 degrees. The wind is blowing hard. Yep. It is one of the coldest Halloweens on record, uh, especially when you take a look at the feels-like temperature out there. So uh, yeah. with that in mind, let's go ahead and get started with the news. Well, I would like to start with the weather outlook. Crisp autumn air mass, says the National Weather Service, to lead to a shivering Halloween throughout much of the central and eastern United States. Snow showers to swing across the Great Lakes and parts of the Midwest. Atmospheric river will usher in wet weather to the Pacific Northwest by midweek. I kind of like the way the National Weather Service put this. Snow showers to Swing through the Great Lakes and parts yeah. of the Midwest. Just going to yeah. swing on by. Yeah, they're swinging through right now is what they're <laughs> doing. And uh, uh, we've got some accumulated snow up in northeast Iowa. Uh, the feels like, by the way, is 14 degrees. It's Ew. chilly. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, I've got a daily sale here. Private exporters okay. reported sales of 239,492 metric tons of soybeans for delivery to Mexico during the 23 yeah. 24 marketing year, buddy. Yeah, when I saw Mexico in the, highlight, in the headline, I assumed immediately that it would be corn, but here it is. Mexico's getting their book of beans filled now. I got your crop progress uh, report highlights here as of October 29. Pretty simple here. Corn and beans ahead of average harvest pace. Corn at 71. Soybeans at 85% harvested. Again, both ahead the average pace. Cotton behind the average pace of bowls opening. Uh, just a little bit ahead of the harvest pace. Winter wheat, 84% planted. In line-ish. 64% emerged. 47% good to excellent. That compares to 28%. Good to excellent. Same week last year, Chip, on that winter wheat. Yeah, a little tougher than a year ago on the HRW, but better on the SRW in that crop condition rating. Well, Chip, U.S. commercial real estate lending is experiencing a significant decline, reaching historically low levels. This reduction in funding poses several risks, including an increased likelihood of defaults on expiring debt and a notable drop in new construction projects for various property types like warehouses and apartments. Plenty of warehouses and apartments that are still available out there. Yep. Well, the World Gold Council's Q3 Gold Demand Trends Report indicates continued support for gold as central bank purchases maintain a historic pace, driving quarterly gold demand to 1,147 uh, 1, tons, surpassing the five-year average by 8%. Total gold supply increased by 6% year-on-year in Q3, with mine production reaching a year-to-date record. And Chip, a quick shameless plug, I just uh, punched out the this month's Landowner Newsletter, and we feature our annual gold-to-land-value okay. comparison. Interesting there. It's always very interesting to take a look at that. Good stuff. House Republicans' $14.3 billion plan for Israel, which breaks with the Biden administration by separating it from Ukraine and Taiwan aid, also left out humanitarian assistance for civilians in Gaza that the White House had requested Speaker Mike Johnson told reporters he expects a House vote on the measure Thursday. The bill's, Chip, the bill's unusual reliance on IRS cuts to pay for Israel aid has already angered some Democrats. Well, any any spending cut is going to anger some Democrats. Yep. Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu said there will be no pause in the fighting of in Gaza as he believes it is a time for war. As of October 30, Ukraine has planted approximately 5.34 million hectares of winter crops, according to the Ag Ministry. That's 85.7% of the expected planted area. And China's official manufacturing PMI for October slipped uh, below growth neutral to 49.5 from September's 50.2, Chip. All right. Thank you very much, Davis. Let's bring in Karen Bonert, editor of Farm Journal's Milk. Good morning, Karen. Hello, Chip. So talk to me about how dairy farmers are putting together financing and what is a challenging time for many producers. Well, sure. I know that many are still working with harvest like we are, but it's time to start thinking about closing those books. And like you said, dairy producers, we can't close the books on 2023 fast enough. But Chip, really what I think we need to talk about is a line of credit. And if a producer doesn't have one, I would encourage them to talk to their lender. This certainly could help with those purchasing inputs, prepaying inputs for next year, as well as having flexibility to make purchases when you need it. Uh, my friend Gary Saporsky, he says that producers better understands the, understand the terms, Chip, when it comes to the line of credit, especially understanding how interest is calculated. 
And so you need to ask, like, you know, do I need to have it paid by the end of the year? What does renewables look like? And really, how can that line of credit be used? And one person told me, you got to, Karen, you got to monitor that line of credit as closely as you would the checkbook. And so the good thing, Chip, is last year, many producers were, were able to use that line of credit to help, you know, get it dwindled down to zero. And that was good that they were able to have that line of credit or the extra funds to pay down on that line of credit. But this year, we don't have that. And so we, we do need to have those conversations around the table with our lenders, our accountants to see what the, what's the best best strategy going forward. So yeah. it's just a conversation that you need to start the line of credit. I know most of us are are looking at that and having to use it some at least. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen some consumers treat it like it's free money, Karen, and it's not. <laughs> it You're going to be a wake up call if you do, you know, it's going to be a wake up call. <laughs> you, you better believe it. Good stuff, Karen. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Chip. You bet. Read more about it at www.dairyherd.com. Karen's got great stuff on that website there for you. Okay, coming up next, we are going to be talking about biofuel use and cap and trade in California. We've got Chris Bliley from Growth Energy next. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. What if your commercial beef herd could be better than you thought possible? Genetic testing can help give you more confidence about what your herd is made of, and more importantly, what it can be. Inherit Select from Zoetis provides data-driven genetic insights to help you make more informed selection, breeding, and culling decisions about your cows and heifers. The journey from genetic potential to reality begins with Inherit Select. Ask a genetics rep how to save on testing with our whole herd promotion. Go to beefgenetics.com forward slash radio. Agritalk is brought to you by Phospholutions, which is excited to launch Rhizozorb, the first fertilizer technology proven across hundreds of field trials to improve grower ROI by 20% and maintain or increase yield with less applied phosphate per acre. Welcome back to Agritalk. I'm Chip Flory. Glad you're with us on this Tuesday morning. Happy Halloween. Um, so, Davis, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but when something mm-hmm. is happening in the biofuels industry, we tend to try to give it some attention. We like to mention it. Shine a light on it. <laughs> Shine a light. Keep the pilot light lit. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. So the California Air Resources Board is considering oh, some revisions to the California's uh, cap-and-trade regulations. Oh. and 
Okay. Uh, Growth Energy is helping them out and has uh, submitted some comments to CARB. And to talk about those comments that were submitted is Chris Bliley. He is the Senior VP of Regulatory Affairs for Growth Energy. Chris, it's good to talk with you again. How are you? I'm doing great. Always great to talk to you, Chip, and uh, happy Halloween. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Thanks. Um, So, okay, cap and trade. Let's make sure that everybody understands what we're talking about. What I know is the California Air Resources Boards, or CARBs, uh, cap and trade. It's an important part of the state's efforts to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. The cap in cap and trade is a declining limit. And I think it's important to understand that it's a declining cap on those greenhouse gas emissions for the entire state, correct? Yeah, no, I think you described it very well, um, Chip. I, I think the state and, and really any, you know, sort of any policy making yeah. body who looks at cap and trade, it uses it as a tool to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. I mean, that is first and foremost the the goal. And as you said, California is considering updates and what they want to do is tighten that cap um, okay. for a lack of a better term. Okay. What is the trade in cap and trade? Well, so you, you know, uh, you're creating credits and deficits yep. essentially. And so, uh, you know, for folks who overqualify or underqualify, um, you want to be, be able to trade those those credits and deficits, yeah. essentially. Um, but the, the goal really is to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. And so you're putting a value, a value on, you know, tonnage of greenhouse gas emissions with the intent to, you know, really drive those reductions. Okay. So when we talk about revisions to cap and trade, is that like moving the target? You know, once a target is hit, you got to lower the cap again. Yes, exactly. Yep. Okay. And it, and so California is in the process. They're they're gaining they're gathering feedback at this point about where they want to go. They're also doing something similar in their low carbon fuel standard uh where we as a industry are a bit closer to it. Mm-hmm. Um but essentially they're trying to decide how they will get to some of the state's broader greenhouse gas emissions targets. And, you know, is that a just they put out a couple scenarios. Is that a 40 percent, 58 percent, 55 percent, 48 percent to ultimately get to an 85 percent by 2045 target of 30 million tons? So you can see there's a lot of room in that. Um, But, you know, I think for us, the real thing is that biofuels are exempt um, because we are a way to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. And so I I think for us, it's continuing to push to use more biofuels in the state as a way to achieve their targets. Okay. So California's Air Resources Board, CARB, and its low carbon fuel standard, it really is, it it has created, let's see, other states want to be California's Air Resources. you know, kind of duplicate what what they're doing in California. How many other states have this have a similar pro, uh, program in place? 
On the low carbon fuel standard, uh, yeah. neighboring neighboring states, Oregon and Washington, uh, both have programs. Oregon's been in in place for a few years. Washington has really just begun. Um, and then as you get outside of the U.S., actually British Columbia, if you kind of keep up the Pacific Coast, yep. um, there are other states that are considering action, certainly states that have legislation. Uh, New Mexico is considered legislation. Illinois is considering legislation. Michigan, uh, New York has also looked at it. But right now it is just the West Coast. Okay. All right. So on these revisions to cap and trade, when they're thinking about what they can do, they go out and they look for help from people like Growth Energy and organizations like Growth Energy. What did you suggest to them in in your comments? Well, I, I think honestly, our our feedback was really on the idea that biofuels are and should remain exempt. I think there are, um, as some indicated, there are concerns. Uh, the state has indicated some concerns about biofuels, and you know what we see as as you know really a falsehood is land use change, um, and they see land use change as a way that potentially biofuels may not may maybe shouldn't be exempt from the program. And so what we really did was was straighten the record here. Um, we talked about the substantial yield increase without a change in acres, you know, a 700 percent increase in yield with basically the same acreage. Um, we also talked about that there's newer science to say that land use change is much, much lower than even California shows today. And so really any concerns about land use change are unfounded. And so really we wanted to present that to CARB um, to show that biofuels should and remain exempt. Um, again, I think, you know, as we've talked about many times, ethanol is a 50%, nearly a 50% reduction compared to gasoline. So the more of it we use in E15, E85, higher blends. Yeah lower the state's greenhouse gas emissions are going to be. And right. so it only makes sense that biofuels remain exempt from the program so that we can use more of it to help the state achieve some of its climate goals. Okay. On the land use issues, are you talking about using the GREET model in their analysis? Well, that that's certainly part of it. So California okay. does use the GREET model, okay. um, but they assess a much higher land use penalty than the national GREET model. And so, okay. you know, while favorable that they do use greed as opposed to a higher, you know, some of these other more obscure models, adding on that land use penalty really, you know, there's something we continue to push back against. And, and that's part of the science that we present is that it should be a much lower land use change value. Okay. All right. I get it. Um, can, can they sell E15 in California? Yeah, unfortunately not. Uh, so this has also been part okay. of our push, probably with with everything we do with the state. You know, we we did a study a few years ago, and just using e if if you converted the entire state to e fifteen, that would save California, you know, one point nine million tons a year, the equivalent of taking four hundred thousand cars off California roads, um, and that's just one state. You know, so okay. It, that's a substantial reduction. And again, yeah. it, that's, that's a hundred percent. But still any, you know, meaningful increase in E15 in the state 
is going to help them achieve some of their climate climate targets. And so we continue to work with the state. We continue to work with the Air Resources Board and the other agencies to to get traction on approval. But, you know, we, we certainly would like that to happen faster and very hopeful that as the state is considering some, you know, revisions to cap and trade and low carbon fuel standard, that they really look to maximize the benefits of higher biofuel blends like E15. Well, and isn't California a great market for E85? Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, We were, I was just looking at it this morning, E85 volumes have climbed substantially in California. I mean, I think we saw more than a 50% increase from 2020 to 2021. And so, you know, we've really seen E85 do well out there. That additional E85 use has certainly helped, uh, you know, reduce greenhouse gas emissions in the state. And so, you know, it only makes sense that you approve E15 as another higher biofuel blend to help achieve your climate goals. Yep. Yep. You know, did you see what uh, I believe it's, was it Chevy or Ford that they that they are backing away on their goals for EV production, electric vehicle production, just simply because they're saying that consumers aren't showing interest in the EV to begin with, and those that have had an EV aren't showing interest in buying one again. Yeah, I've seen some of those reports recently. I think GM and also Tesla even. Um, even some Tesla, of yeah. Yeah, even some of their inventory is up. Um, you know, ultimately, I, I think that's the thing is that, you know, consumers have to choose, right? Yeah. And we're hopeful that, you know, they can continue to use their vehicles and higher blends to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Excellent. Excellent. I can't believe we're out of time already, Chris. That went really fast. Thank you, my friend. We will talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks for having me, Chip. Always great to catch up with you. You bet. Chris Bliley, Senior VP of Regulatory Affairs at Growth Energy. We're talking turkey next. What if your commercial beef herd could be better than you thought possible? Genetic testing can help give you more confidence about what your herd is made of, and more importantly, what it can be. Inherit Select from Zoetis provides data-driven genetic insights to help you make more informed selection, breeding, and culling decisions about your cows and heifers. The journey from genetic potential to reality begins with Inherit Select. Ask a genetics rep how to save on testing with our whole herd promotion. Go to beefgenetics.com forward slash radio. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Time for Markets Now with the experts from Pro Farmer. Joining us now, Pro Farmer editor Brian Grady. 
Boy, the soy complex has turned into a choppy son of a gun, hasn't it, Brian? Yeah, so I'm going to start with meal. Uh, big okay. day of uh, corrective selling yesterday and, and uh, bounced back, uh, found buyers on that and, and trading uh, sharply to the upside this morning. Uh, that's influencing the soybean market. We also had a daily soybean sale to Mexico, and, and yeah. so that's given us some fundamental support along with the uh, the strength in the meal market. And uh, boy, the, the meal and, and soybeans trading to the upside uh, is influencing corn. And, and uh, while those gains are lesser, uh, corn continues to follow the lead of, of soybeans and meal on a day-to-day basis here. It certainly is. Yeah, there's no question about it. If wheat would participate today, it could turn into something impressive. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, wheat's the dog of the complex, and uh, you know, outside markets, the dollar's more than 500 points higher, and, and that's negative. And, and uh, while the exports have picked up a little bit here recently for U.S. wheat, um, they remain. Uh, you know, the bar is pretty low at this point in time uh, for yeah. the export side of things, and, and that's really limiting buyer interest. Yes, it certainly is. Uh, hogs are trying. They're working on a what I think it's a seventh consecutive day of gains. Yeah, absolutely. Trying. Uh, that, that's the key. And, and uh, you know, as long as that's the case, uh, we continue to narrow up the discount to the uh, cash index. The cash index continues to fall on a seasonal basis. So, um, boy, it, it that discount is, has really kind of evaporated uh, or, or narrowed up quite a bit over the past week plus here. And uh, th- that effort uh, is ongoing here at mid-morning. Pretty choppy in the uh, live cattle and feeder cattle uh, yep. with a downside bias here at mid-morning. All right. Good stuff, Brian. Thank you, buddy. That's Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady on Markets Now. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. Do you suffer from talking on the radio phobia? No problem. Send us a tweet at hashtag AgriTalk. I think I'm going to get me a cowbell in here, Davis. You going to get one? I think so. Uh huh. You know, they're probably on sale. When everybody, everybody, yeah, (laughs) you want jingle bells this time of year? (laughs) Nobody cares about cows. Nobody cares about the cowbells at this time of the year. Perfect. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Welcome back to AgriTalk. Interesting conversation with with Chris when it comes Mm -hmm. to things like cap and trade and and. uh, what it, 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 it the the revisions you know we always talk about boy those are aggressive targets well and the thing is once the target is hit or they get close to hitting the target they make it more difficult to hit the target again mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's uh it's an interesting process to watch uh boy it and, and how it all plays out and the role that biofuels uh, are, are going to play in the California uh, emissions policies are very, very important to mm-hmm. what's happening in the Midwest. No Agreed. question about that. Indeed. All right. Ready to talk some turkey? Let's do it. We've got Morgan Pothoven. She is the Director of Communications for the Iowa Turkey Federation with us. Morgan, welcome to AgriTalk. How are you? Good. How are you? Doing just fine, just fine. Um, the 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 main reason that I wanted to get to, get you on is to talk about avian influenza because there was another detection up in northwest Iowa. I believe it was uh, Buena Vista County, 
here it it was a commercial turkey flock, like 50,000 birds in the flock. What is the status of avian influenza in the state right now, Morgan? Well, you know, I like to bring the good news when I when I get to talk to you guys. (laughs) So, you know, we have seen lower cases in 2023. Um, You know, when it comes to avian influenza and and looking at the future um, and looking at what's to come, you know, our farmers are vigilant and and the industry is vigilant and looking at those migratory bird patterns. So, you know, my avian influenza is introduced by migratory birds, you know, is is the highest introduction. to to the to the farms and so looking at those patterns and strict biosecurity i mean our farmers are are always watching and preparing um we've learned a lot since 2015 um and then over the last year so you know we're definitely going in the right direction but obviously continue to to hate to see having these cases at all yeah yeah it and you know when we think about the the virus moving in with migratory birds I mean, when I think about a turkey flock, a, a turkey flock or uh, uh, a layer flock, I don't think about those birds making contact at all with migratory birds. But it's the fact that they, when they move into the area, if they bring bird flu with them, other birds are going to get them that might have contact with the flock. Correct. Yeah. So you know, when we talk about biosecurity, it's creating that line of separation. You know, anything if a if a flock that uh, migratory bird flock that comes over your farm flies over and defecates anything lands on top of the barns, uh, whatever, and, and a beetle rodent or anything kind of ventures in, or even, you know, if, if we're not disinfecting correctly, or we're not wearing, you know, the right boots or not, not doing all of those efforts, those are all introductory vectors um, that can become into the farm. So right. you know, obviously, things that our farmers do or the biosecurity, like clean clothes, clean boots, all those things that they can control, um, you know, tightening up their barns, all of those things. Um, Cause those are all vectors that we don't necessarily think of when we have turkeys and, and poultry in barns. Yep. Yep. You mentioned 2015, terrible year for AI in the state. Uh, one of the things that we learned in 2015 is that, speed matters you know when when it's detected the quicker that we can depopulate that flock and get that virus under control in that in that barn the better right Mm -hmm. correct yep yeah so those birds are then what what happens to those birds when when a flock is depopulated yep so those birds um all have to be depopulated on site uh, in the barn that's detected and if there's other barns on site just to to stop the spread to potential you know if if we see any airborneness or anything like that there's that's how we mitigate that is depopulating that site and then um, doing composting and then disinfecting the barn um, so those are done a couple of ways you know foaming is an option as well as ventilation um, control so uh, our farmers know what works best for their farms as well as working with the industry um, the Department of Agriculture, USDA, all of those things, all those people come together to to help mitigate the spread and and depopulate that flock so we don't spread it to others. Right, right. Now, important to note is that if a if a flock has been detected as with with avian influenza, those birds do not make it to the to the market. They don't they don't make it to the consumer, do they? Correct. Yep. So you can ensure that your food supply is safe. They're not going to make it into the 
into the supply chain. Um, so the, the turkey that you're feeding your families in any form is, is safe. Right. Right. And you know, when we take a look at, 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 um, avian influenza in people, in humans, very, very, very rare occurrence in the United States, right? Yeah. Yep. It's something that's really not even discussed because it's so rare. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. nothing we, we really worry about. Nope. Right. I mean, the last I looked, it was there, there, there were a couple of people in Cambodia that were confirmed to have, uh, uh, you know, a case of bird flu, but, uh, boy, it's just exceptionally rare that it happens. Okay. So when this happens, we depopulate the flocks, but it sounds like, well, what is the status of the Turkey supplies we get into, into November? Yeah. So another piece of good news, you will have turkeys on Thanksgiving. Sweet. <laughs> so when it comes, <laughs> I, I, I love to say that everybody, you know, you, you get so worried coming up to the holiday. Obviously, some people look for specific turkeys, um, turkey sizes, I should say. Um, our advice every year is that consumers should plan ahead if there's a specific weight or type of turkey you want, fresh, frozen, organic, etc. Um, if you require that, you know, shopping early is never a problem. But turkey companies and retailers plan for Thanksgiving well in advance. And so they're, the supply for your store has been set by now. And, and, and that supply is ensured that it's, that you're going to have it at your store. So we love to, we love to say, Hey, you're going to have Turkey. So choose Turkey. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a favorite here, you know, in the Flory house on Thanksgiving, no question about that. (laughs) Um, what about the cost? What, what's the price of the bird going to be this year? Um, the, you know, the price of the bird, it varies upon retailer, but you're still going to see like holiday discounts. The closer you get to Thanksgiving, especially, um, retailers always want to provide an affordable protein. Uh, you're still probably going to see the, the buy a ham, get a turkey for free. And so, you know, choose, choose both and, and fill your freezer. Um, it's the yep. best, most economical way. Honestly, the Thanksgiving meal can be to, to feed your family. Um, you know, when you think of turkey, it's kind of also used as, as a, a leeway into buying other products at the store too. So if they have good turkey prices, you're probably also going to choose, um, you know, stuff for your green bean casserole at the store. And and that's what retailers want. They want to be a one-stop shop. And so they're going to, they're going to provide good prices for, for all the consumers and the people in their area. So that, uh, so that you shop um, not just for your Turkey, but your other products there as well. Exactly. Yep. Yep. When, when a Turkey can be a loss leader, we know we've got plenty of supply uh, and (laughs) availability going into Thanksgiving, right? Yes, that is so true. (laughs) All right. Um, you know, another thing, I like what you said about filling the freezer and doing it at this time of the year when the, uh, when the turkey price is affordable or there are deals available out there. Um, what a versatile bird when, when it comes to putting it on the table, there's so many ways to use it. Uh, there, it's more than just roasting that bird on, on Thanksgiving that you can do with turkey, right? Correct. Uh, turkey takes on any flavor profile, really. Yep. So, you know, you can you can cook your turkey for Thanksgiving, have a great Thanksgiving bird, and then also make something like orange turkey with it or make turkey tacos. It really takes any flavor profile on, whether you're choosing it for your whole bird or whether you're choosing a tenderloin or ground meat. Um, it, it really has a place uh, all year round. Yeah. Yep. How many turkeys does Iowa produce in a year? Uh, around 12 million turkeys a year. So we are seventh in production. 
seventh in production in the U.S. at about 12 million uh, birds a year. And here's an interesting note on that. Takes about a bushel of corn, okay, a bushel of corn and one-third of a bushel of soybeans to get a turkey to market weight. So yes. it it's, you know, when you get up where those turkey barns are, it's important to to keep those uh, those barns in operation and to keep bird flu out. Hey, if you, if you lose a flock of fifty thousand uh, fifty thousand birds, and <laughs> that that can have an impact on your markets, your corn and your soybean markets in that specific area. So in two thousand fifteen, my gosh, nobody thought that it was going to have a big big impact on. Uh, corn demand in the state of Iowa and it did it absolutely had an impact yeah the nice part about when it comes to turkey production is you know obviously like we've talked about already we've gotten a lot quicker with the mitigation of the spread and and then also you know farmers have a plan and they can they can disinfect and and hopefully repopulate quicker because we've been through it you know we hate to be the poster child for foreign animal disease but at the same time we also know what we're doing now and we're, we're working diligently and really hard. And so hopefully you don't see those lags or, or, you know, we can repopulate quicker because of yep. that. Fantastic. When you're cooking your Turkey, you know, I, ours ends up in the oven, but a lot of people end up uh, in, in the uh, Turkey fryer. If that happens, <laughs> just do it right. <laughs> you don't want, you don't want the fire department showing up on Thanksgiving. Thank you so much, Morgan. We sure appreciate you. Thanks so much. You bet. Morgan Pothoven, Director of Communications for the Iowa Turkey Federation. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. What if your commercial beef herd could be better than you thought possible? Genetic testing can help give you more confidence about what your herd is made of, and more importantly, what it can be. Inherit Select from Zoetis provides data-driven genetic insights to help you make more informed selection, breeding, and culling decisions about your cows and heifers. The journey from genetic potential to reality begins with Inherit Select. Ask a genetics rep how to save on testing with our whole herd promotion. Go to beefgenetics.com forward slash radio. Knowledge is power. We're here to charge your batteries. Agritalk. Welcome back to Agritalk. I'm your host, Chip Flory. I want to talk a little bit about trick-or-treating coming up here in just a bit. But first, let's make time for this Yields in the Fields. 
Yields in the Fields on AgriTalk is brought to you by Microessentials, the super granule that packs balanced nutrition into a single granule for uniform nutrient distribution and season-long sulfur availability. Supercharge your yields with the mighty micro from Mosaic. Chip, this morning it feels like we utter look to Minnesota. We'll go to okay. Ottertail County. See what I did there? <laughs> West I Central know. Minnesota. But this oh, is super... This is super interesting and a little bizarre. Maybe you can help me get my head around this. Okay. A grower writes this quote. Some of the best corn I've grown. All right. Smoked by hail at V9. Yeah. yeah. Less than half of normal rainfall and still green at the end of October with no yeah. frost. Exclamation point. No idea how. Close quote. Um, you know, when he's I saw that one last week. Mm-hmm. Okay, late last week I saw that one. Yep. Um, the still green part does confuse me. I mean, I wonder if he hit it with a fungicide after the hail event to try to keep some disease out after the interior of those plants mm-hmm. was exposed by by the damage from the hail. Uh, you know, I wonder if he did that, if he... If that happened, mm-hmm. um, good on him for 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 making that effort. A lot of times, if you're smoked by hail, mm-hmm. um, you you call the insurance adjuster, not the not the uh, not the fungicide to, guy. Yeah, yeah, not the fungicide <laughs> dealer to uh, to to assess what's going on out there. But yeah, still green at that time of the year. Yeah, it's it, uh, pretty amazing, pretty yeah. amazing. And, yeah. you know, that that story is not unique to Ottertail mm-hmm. County, Minnesota. Um, there are there are similar stories. You know, one thing and this keeps coming up as, as afterthoughts or as an afterthought. Mm. Um. The influence of the smoke that we had in the atmosphere this year. Yeah. Did that somehow, some way, help the corn crop survive through some really dry conditions in in key areas? That's really interesting. And I I don't heard anybody say that. I don't know the answer to that. I, I don't know if anybody really knows the answer to that at this point. Um, but as I'm having conversations about what did you learn mm-hmm. about the 2000, or, or what did you learn about growing corn in mm-hmm. 2023? I'll, we'll go through a long list of things that people have learned. And then at the very end, they'll say, and you know what? I wonder if the smoke had any influence. Well, here's what so, we're going to do. Okay. Since, uh, we're broadcasting from an Island, basically, uh, yeah. Sam, go ahead and shut down the phone lines here. Here's what we're going to do. We're just going to say that you are right. And, in fact, we're going to take it one step further and call that the Flory effect. What do you think? <laughs> hmm? I don't know if I want to be associated Wildfire with the Flory effect. Cradling <laughs> and nurturing crops in Minnesota. What could be a better representation of the kind of guy you are? Yeah, right. Huh? Right. Very good. Very yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting take. So, yeah. Tell me, when you were out doing uh-huh. trick or treat and running around in your Spider Man uh, mm-hmm. costume or whatever mm-hmm. it was, I'll bet you it's were a cowboy. Off. I'll bet you were a cowboy. 
Cowboy came up an awful lot. Uh, and really, I just, I already had the stuff. You know, it was yeah. a cheap costume. Right. Just, just put on your chore clothes. <laughs> yeah, put on your, <laughs> and a special down, hat. Boy. You know, a different, little different hat, and that's it. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> a little holster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Looking mm-hmm. good. Looking good. Uh, so was it, was it just straight trick or treating? Or was it trick or treat for UNICEF? Well, in my childhood, you're saying? Yeah, yeah. It was it was a trip to Grandma's, which was always a big deal because uh, Grandma and Grandpa had moved off the farm into town. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm using the word town loosely. We're talking maybe 2,000 residents. Right. A nice little town. Well, it can fill uh, a bag with candy. Oh, dude, you would have thought I was in New York City going into town, you know? <laughs> Woo, and they're just handing it out. Yeah, we did. We did well. But then back over to Grandma's just to make sure that, you know, she she still had cookies and cake and stuff. Right. It was right. always fun. Yeah. yeah, very good. We did the trick or treat for UNICEF through through the church. Oh, OK. Uh, every, yeah. every, everything started in the basement at the, at the church. Um, everybody had to make sure that they had their reflective, you know, tape on their arm, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, makes sense. I get it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, then we would go out and hit as many houses as we could in Oxford Junction, Iowa. Mm-hmm. And the goal was not only to fill the bag with candy, but to fill the little orange box with pennies. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's and uh, then, uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Trick or treat for UNICEF. I can't even hardly say trick or treat without no. for UNICEF. Really? Like, yeah. That's the two bits for me. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. How do you like that? Well, as we as we discussed yesterday, without the two bits, you got yep. nothing. You got nothing. <laughs> That's right. So so we're when you got the apple. Yeah. What did you think of the apple? I would eat the apple. Would you? I'd eat it. Yeah. 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 yeah I would no, cut it into bits see, because I had us all terrified that there was going to be razor blades and stuff in there. Right. I'm not trying to eat that. <laughs> exactly. I mean, safety first. That's right. That's right. I mean, I've always been a fan of fruit. I've always uh-huh. enjoyed apples and pears and peaches and all that kind of stuff. Well, 15 but, increase from but, the previous year for candy this year. Soaring cocoa prices haunt candy costs. Read the headlines leading to Halloween budget revisions. It's fruit for everyone, I think, is what this is. <laughs> Heck with the candy. <laughs> Here, kids, I don't you want know some about that either. I got I got a kiwi in the fridge, kids. <laughs> if you don't give it to them, they'll do a trick. Oh my god! And the when you found the house that gave the full size candy bars versus the little bite size or fun size things, mm-hmm. holy smokes! That house got a return visit. Circle I mean, the house, like swap, put on a different hat, and come yeah, back to the door. Exactly, like swap <laughs> costumes or something. Go back and hit them again. Thank you so much for listening this morning. Come back this afternoon. We've got Mark Rempe from Quad Commodities right here on Agritalk.